Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have a returning guest, uh, John Droz. He's a physicist. Uh, he puts out a bi-monthly newsletter, so every two weeks, uh, that has tons of information, COVID, on the U.S. election process, not only 2020, but in general. Um, a lot of pertinent topics about wind and solar energy, you know, what's called green energy, in quotes, um, and many other topics. And recently, he's put out a four-part series on the U.S. education system, which is uh, looks to be very dire and very troubling, and that's what we're going to go into today. So, John, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me, Richard. My pleasure. Yeah, if you would, um, just give folks a, a brief background on yourself and then, uh, you know, the projects you're working on today, and then we'll get right into the educational uh, problem we're all facing. Okay. As you uh, mentioned, I am a scientist, a physicist, to be exact. I've been retired for about uh, 40 years now, and so I've had the time to do what I want to do, and I have sort of two interests, I guess you'd say. One is to defend my profession, science, which is under a continuous assault. And the second is, is to help people uh, defend their rights. So those are, that's sort of it in a nutshell. I, I have several websites, one on COVID, c19science.info, one on energy, which is wiseenergy.org. Third, on election integrity, that's election-integrity.info. And as you rightly said, I have a newsletter that's quite popular that I cover a wide range of uh, topics that I don't believe anybody else does, particularly from a a middle-of-the-road to a conservative uh, perspective. They are COVID to climate, education to elections, renewables to religion. Put them together there in the alliteration. Where can people sign up for your newsletter, by the way? What's a convenient place for them to go? Well, the easiest thing would be to send me an email. I get several requests a day. So my email address, you can post this, is AAPR, that's Apple, Apple, Peter, Robert, John, J-O-H-N, at northnet, N-O-R-T-H-N-E-T, dot org. PR John at northnet.org. It's free. All these things are free. Anytime you want off, you just say one off. Rarely does that happen, but you're welcome to cancel anytime. There's no obligation. So because I continue to get requests and uh, periodically I wrote things so busy that I didn't really have time to get a place to post these materials. You know, I would send them to some media sources and most of the time they would publish it, but I may have to do it to 10 sources before one would publish it, and then they edits, and the whole thing is really a very time-consuming part here, where I'm more interested in creating work rather than negotiating with editors. So along came this site called Substack that, what I can see, has become extraordinarily popular. To my knowledge, this was originated by journalists 
And it was by people who were professional writers that felt that they were having some difficulty getting their work published. So they set up the site to have anybody who was a member, if you will, they would set up their own subsection of this substack and mm. have a, a topic of article. So maybe somebody might write on, I don't know, current events. Somebody else, like Dr. McCullough, might write on COVID, for instance. Sidney Powell might write on election matters, for instance. And so they would just post these articles on their page, if you will, and they could do whatever they wanted to. They could post one a day, they could post one a year. So there is no obligation to do anything. They just, it was just a place for them to post their uh, rants. So right. they, I decided, and uh, there are several things about that are interesting. Oh, by the way, when they set this up, another reason for doing it was to give these professional journalists an opportunity to get paid. So they do have two versions here. One version is that uh, people pay to subscribe to somebody's writings, or the other, they give you the option of having it for free. So I've, I've chosen that. So I don't, I don't charge people. But interestingly, uh, when after people read my stuff here, uh, they had the option when are giving feedback to tell the Substack site that they're willing to pay me for this. And I've gotten dozens of people who said, uh, I am willing to pay you for your stuff here, Jim. Uh, but I've, I've turned those down, as I said, at this point, because I'm not about taking people money. I don't need the money. I'm doing this as a, you know, an altruistic gesture. Anyways, yeah, that's great. So it's a, something you might want to consider yourself or, or possibly. As I say, it's an alternative thing here. So anyways, it's become extraordinarily popular. All, all the major players on these different fields that I'm involved with, COVID election, energy, so forth, now have their own space on Substack. Yeah, I don't know if you know Doomberg, but I subscribe to their Substack, you know, for instance. But yeah, I, I listen to your stuff on there and a few other people's, but it's very good. Thank you. So what I chose to do, I tried to pick a topic that would be representative of my interest. And so similar to what you're doing with Finding Genius, the topic I chose was critical thinking. Me, to my, my view here, we're, we're not doing critical thinking on a broad range of topics. And that's one of the reasons we're having difficulties in going down the wrong path in a lot of cases, whether it's on COVID or election integrity or energy or you name it. So that's my Substack site. So yeah, let me get you the URL here so you can get that, uh, your your listeners can. So it's called, if you go, it just does critically thinking, two words combined, no space. So critically thinking.substack.com. Okay, so that'll bring you to my that'll bring you to my site here. And at this point, I have probably uh, I don't know at least thirty topics that I've uh, touched on. I mean, I've talked on things like uh, stress. Uh, how do we how do we do, we do stress in our life? Uh, I've talked about Christmas being uh, abused, about uh, relationships, things to do with wind energy and solar energy. Another one I wrote was about what does a U.S. conservative mean. Or does being a U.S. conservative mean a whole bunch of things here that are a, a wide range, but they're, they all had something to do with critical thinking. All right, well, let's, let's jump into the uh, the topic you mentioned about this, you know the U.S. school systems. Yes. Uh, yeah, let, let's go over that. What have you been doing for your research, and what are you seeing? What picture is coming together? Okay, so the U.S. school system, in my view, is a really big deal. So I, I broke down my comments here so they wouldn't be too long into actually four different sections. 
So there, they were posted on three days so far, and the fourth one has yet to be posted, but it'll probably be tomorrow or Friday. So what what I did was, is uh, in thinking about this, several choices had to be made. Once you start saying, I'm going to look into the education system, the education system is just, it's just huge. It's really complex. And I think that's one of the things that explains why we haven't accomplished very much is because as soon as somebody starts tackling it, they get overwhelmed by the complexity of it and say, you know, where, where, where do you even start here? It's sort of like the blind men trying to assess the elephant here. It's, it's really, it is complex. So I've decided to narrow it down to something that I think makes sense. And also, in my view, is the heart of the problem. So rather than talk about things like school choice, homeschooling, uh, stuff like that, all of which have value. So don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm more focused on what our children are being taught. What are they being taught? The second problem is as soon as you start talking to educators about uh, the curriculum or something like that, uh, they push back and say, look, uh, I'm the professional here. I've got the degree here. You're out of your lane here telling us how to educate your kid. That's our stock standard response here, unfortunately, which is not too conducive for negotiation or discussion. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click Support Us today. Now back to the show. So what I decided to do was to strictly focus on science education. Okay, so so in that way, so if somebody says I'm out of my lane, well, no, the fact is I'm in my lane. I'm in my profession. I'm talking about science, which I am a professional scientist. So the actual fact is I'm more in my lane as a professional scientist than almost all science teachers are because few of them actually have science degrees. Okay. So that's the second thing. The third thing is to talk about what level of school. Well, uh, in my view, the K through 12 level is under undressed and is the most important because effectively what is taught in K through 12 becomes the foundation for what is built on in higher education. So if your foundation is incompetent or falling apart, whatever. There are very little you can do. You can build a nice edifice on top of it, but uh, if the foundation is inadequate and weak, uh, it's a waste of time. And I, I believe that's really what's happening. So I'm talking about the curriculum, in the K-12 through curriculum, and specifically the science curriculum. So that's my very narrow focus. Science, K-12 through curriculum. All right. Yeah, I was going to ask you, right, if you're going to cover universities, but okay, K-12, through go ahead. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why here. Uh, The foundation of what these kids uh, are being taught in college is all done for the 12 years before that. So that's what the problem is. That that, those 12 years are are just terrible when it comes to science. 
The other thing to me that's important that few people have talked about, and I've looked at a variety of websites of organizations, whether conservative or otherwise, what should be the objective of our school system? How, how do we know we're a success or not? Well, some people might say, well, the, uh, the graduate gets a job or I don't know, stuff like that, which in my view, those, those are not really the criteria. They, they certainly are some indication in my, my view, the most important uh, objective we should have in our education system is to have graduates who have the ability to and the interest in critically thinking. Most graduates, do you think that they've had any critical thinking or the opposite has been forced upon them? Don't think, just, just agree. As far as this part I've looked into here, I think it is the latter. That we're not only, uh, children uh, in K through 12 are not only not being taught how to critically think, they're actually being programmed to back what's politically in vogue at the time here. So whether it's on climate change, for instance, or energy. So, so for instance, wind energy is a good thing, is what they're told, as an example. At what age is this starting? Is it starting like incredibly young? Hey. That's crazy. Yeah, it's totally crazy. Okay, so you might say, all right, fine, we'll get leading into where we're going here. So I'm just telling you what my thinking is here as to why we're doing this. But I'm saying I'm looking for critical thinking. Now, another benefit of me picking science is that of all the topics, all the subject areas in school might say, all right, I have several different subject areas. What would be the most appropriate subject area to teach critical thinking, right? Well, in my view, the answer is science not history or other things. Uh, science is the most logical, appropriate subject area to teach critical thinking for, for several reasons. One is that true scientists are, are skeptics. There are people who question things. They want to know more. They want to delve into things deeper and so on and so forth, which a lot of that is really what uh, critical thinking is about. So of all, all the subject areas there are, science is the most logical one to teach critical thinking. Well, that's the second reason I pick science as the area I'm looking at to say, okay, what are they doing in the science classes K through 12 about critical thinking? All right. Well, the next thing is you need to know how old the, let's say, I live in, uh, let's say I live in New York. So uh, the question is, how, how does the curriculum of a school in New York State uh, come, come about? Well, it's pretty much the same in most states. So I'll just give you an overview quickly here. It starts with, well, so the school districts, there's hundreds of school districts in New York State, but there's a state board of education. So it's the state board of education that basically sets up standards for uh, children to be educated in. And they, in turn, these same people are the same people who test, for instance, semi-annual or whatever tests to ascertain whether districts are doing a good job on educating children about these uh, matters. But the tests, of course, are based on the standards that the uh, state has determined. So some people say, well, local local uh, schools can change their curriculum. Well, on paper, that may be true, but in reality, it's simply not. It's, it's another one of the deceptions that uh, the public is told. There's multiple reasons why not. For, for one reason, I may be getting a little ahead of myself here, but for one reason, a, a lot of what is being taught is from a progressive ideology. And I'll explain that in a minute. So unfortunately, most of the teachers are also have gotten their degrees, teaching degree, from universities that were progressive universities. So teachers are in tune with progressive thinking. 
particularly younger ones. So if a school district says, we're going to change, let's say, what is being taught about climate change, as an example, the teacher, the science teacher and so forth would object to that and say, no, I'm not going to teach that. You know, I've been trained to teach about climate change being catastrophic and blah, 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 blah. And that's what I believe is to be right, blah, 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 blah. So you just telling me I'm, I'm not going to do that. So they're going to have a problem with the teachers. Well, are teachers saying this is new information or this is information that differs from what I teach? Therefore, I'm just I'm not going to teach it. I don't care what it is. Well, I was giving you a simple example here. If, if let's say some uh, community is a conservative community and they don't believe that climate change is some impending disaster and are in favor of a lot more moderate position and they want that to be taught to their children, I'm just saying the teachers have been radicalized and they don't believe that. They would say, no, we are in a desperate strait here and the world is doomed to come to an end in 10 years or some such thing. And so just because their uh, superintendent said, we want you to teach a much more moderate uh, position about climate change, they would object to it. And um, they'd get together and have a union uh, that would object to it. And the whole thing would be a problem. So I'm just saying that's one reason it's not so easy for uh, parents to win and change the curriculum. The second reason is that the state uh, approves a very limited set of textbooks. So if you want to change the curriculum, what effectively you're doing is changing what's in the textbook. And so all of a sudden, you don't have a textbook that reflects your what you're trying to teach because it's, there's no textbook of what you want to teach, let's say, about climate change that's approved by the state. So you've got to have that whole issue here, finding a textbook, getting it approved by the state. Oh, the whole thing is a huge pain in the neck. The third problem with trying to change it on a district level is that uh, ultimately the kids in your district still have to pass state tests to verify their competence. Well, the state tests are based on the the state standards. So if you have a different set of standards than the state has, the kid's not going to do well. So I'm just giving you kind of quick off the top of my head reasons why this this whole argument that teachers and other people are saying, well, the district has the control over the curriculum, that's baloney. It just isn't true. The state has control over the curriculum. So where does the state come with a curriculum? Well, they have two choices. One is they can uh, make up their own. Again, let's talk about science here. We're, we're talking about the science curriculum. So where does New York State come up with science curriculum? They have two choices. One is to get together people, teachers, whatever, whoever they feel, uh, and come up with their own, which is a uh, really time-consuming, very complex job to start from scratch as to what would be taught in every class and all this kind of stuff. Or they can emulate what other people are doing. Well, that's sort of what mostly happens. So about uh, 12 years ago, we'll, we'll just do the current things. Some of this happened before, but about 12 years ago, a, a group of progressives, knowing all this, how the, all this all works, they said, let's put together a document here that's going to be sort of a, the guideline for states to uh, use as uh, the basis of their standards. So this document they come up with, which is posted on my uh, site there that uh, you read, is uh, called a framework. Okay. So technically, I'll read the whole title. The the official title of this book, which is like a 500-page book, is a framework for K-12 science education. Okay. So who wrote this? Well, it's under the auspices of the National Association of NAS. 
and division of theirs uh, called NRC. And of course, they had some stakeholders that were primarily involved in it, like uh, a National Teachers Union, stuff like that. No conservative groups, believe me, no, no conservative groups were part of this. So they worked together to put together this, this framework. I'm just going to call it this framework. And that was published in 2012. And my commentary is there. I give the link for it. So you can go and see for yourself what it says. The type of thing that almost nobody bothers to read, but what's in it is, in my opinion, extremely disturbing. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I'm just trying to give you the overview. Okay. This, these people purposely set up this framework to be sort of a guideline to be, because they knew 50 states were sort of wandering around trying to figure out what would be the best way of doing things. So after they published these guidelines, then they, the same group of progressives, got continued to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to now take these guide, these guidelines, this framework and convert it into different format, what they, what they would call a standards format. In other words, a document, a lengthy document, a document though that state board of educations could relate to. They would effectively hand to New York state a pre-written science, K through 12 science standards. So every grade would have different things that they'd be covering. The whole kit and caboodle. They'd be the whole job done. Well, believe me, for from somebody in a state here who has to put this on together in your own, this would save thousands of hours of time to have somebody else do this. Well, when it comes packaged from the National Association of Science, NAS, and so forth, teachers, so forth, this is all they want to hear. Say, look, these are credible people, blah, 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 blah. Let's take this. So they may take that and they turn it over and call that their official state standard. Okay, what this, I, I skipped the name here. They, they gave this a name here. That's, so this is part two of this, this sequence. And that's called Next Generation Science Standards. That's the title I gave to yeah. this job. Like I can see already, right? Like you said, it would save them thousands of hours. comes from a credible source, they believe. Right. So they're probably not even going to look at it. They'll be like, okay, we'll just do that. Pretty much. So, furthermore, a lot of people on these boards of vacation, you know, they're they're volunteers or whatever, not even professionals. And for for somebody, this is like a 500-page document, this thing here. So, you think they're going to go through 500 pages and look for stuff? No. No. So, it all Congress, Congress always reads 8,000-page bills, right? Bad joke. Well, that's why they're not in Congress. They don't have that ability. What can I tell you? So I happen to know two people personally who are on state boards of education. So I'm not just talking theoretically here. I talked to them about what happened when this group of progressives came to their meetings. And initially, this is back like in 2014 now, a year or two after this framework was published. So what happened? And they said these people come in and had this very polished uh, package, uh, asked some questions. They all, they had you know, quick answers. These were lobbyists, really, for, for progressive ideology. We'll get to that in a minute. But these are progressive lobbyists here. So these are very polished people. And as they say, they're credentialed. They have some PhDs and they're supported by NAS, the teachers unions, blah, 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 blah. And so who are the people on this board to say, this is crap or I don't like it or then... So that was one of the questions I asked some of these people Well, was two things. One was... Did anybody come to your meetings when these are being presented and point out some problems with this NGSS? The answer is no, no person. So no conservative organization, for instance, was following this and had taken the time and trouble to come into these states and say, look, you ought to be concerned about ABC here or whatever. 
None, zero. So they had no negative things being said about it. The second thing was, I said, uh, okay, what about the situation here where they're they're making this presentation of all this here? Is there any other complexities or other type of things, obligations, costs, these type of things here that need to be addressed here? And they said, uh, no. I mean, they, in fact, one, one guy who was on the state said, they told us, this was when they were sort of originally coming out and they were taking sort of a firm position on this. They said, they told us that uh, we were not allowed to change anything in this 500 or so page document. Hey, we weren't allowed to. Well, that's what they told them. So he said, well, that was that was sort of startling that they would be so, I don't know, so rigid, you might say, on this. But uh, the reason is, is that this was a political document and they didn't want the politics being edited or modified. But I'm just telling you, that's what a person who was sitting right there talking about this that actually happened. So anyways, you might say, OK, maybe this is all an academic tempest in a teapot. Well, well, no, it isn't, Richard, because... As of today, get this, as of today, some 45 states have bought into this. So was it presented to them as, oh, here's our suggestions, or it was presented as like a foregone conclusion? This is the new curriculum, you can't change it? The latter. They're saying, look, this is, we've done a lot of trouble. We're the experts here. Blah, blah, blah. They have all these citations. This is being supported by teachers union, blah, 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 blah. So this is what we're telling you you need to have. Now, if somebody objected, they were quickly put in their place and say, well, how come this or how come that? They would say, look, you know, I appreciate your input here, but uh, there were like 25 PhDs that signed off on this saying this was the better way to go. So they would rely on authority, you know, appeal to authority, that type of a tactic here to squelch anybody who had any question about it. Now, I can tell you that subsequently, you're going to a lot of these states, some states did object to having a 100% requirement. So they begrudgingly allowed, if I use that term, uh, some states to do some edits. So the way it works, the way it is now is that uh, 20 states, that's my memory here, this is on the side. This is published, so you can check it out. 20 states have bought the NGSS hook, line, and singer, every word, okay? 25 states have bought most of it. Now, how much they've changed, that would be a very time-consuming thing to go and say, okay, where did they exactly make a change? So I don't know exactly how much, but from my perusing of several of these, it looks like 95-plus percent of the NGSS was accepted. It's hard to find what the modifications they made. But oh, so even in the states where they wanted to change it, 95% of it's still... Well, I'm just giving anyway. it off the top of my head. I don't, I don't say that. I have a, a proof of that, but that, that's my feeling about it by looking at it. So yes, something like that. The vast majority, which is all the framework. This is all coming from the framework. You know, so it's not the NGSS sort of person. Some people say that, well, it's the NGSS that's at fault. My view, no, it's the framework. The framework was what set the stage for, and this was the think piece, or I call it the Bible, that they used to just modify framework into a, a document that was acceptable to states called the NGSS. So it, it isn't like they started with the NGSS. No, they started with a framework. And then the NGSS was tweaked to be in a suitable format for state boards. But how, how much uh, these 24, 25, rather, did uh, for modifications? I don't know. I don't have an exact answer on that. But 
my from what I have seen, I'd say it's very little that they've changed. Did they, um, did they make changes along political lines, like red states? I don't know what they changed. blue. I don't okay. know what they changed. As I said, I'm, I, this just just understanding what I'm telling so far has taken me, you know, a hundred plus hours of time to to research it here. So I'm just one person. I, just writing all the stuff out here. There, there's more to this. I'm just trying to give you and your listeners here an overview of it here. I don't have every detailed answer about this. And that's one of the details I don't know how much okay. changed by which states. For instance, my state of North Carolina is one of the ones that supposedly made a few changes. But when I look at the main problems with the NGSS, they are doing all of the main, they, they've incorporated all the bad things. <laughs> Can't find any of the bad things that they haven't. So I don't know what changes they made. I don't know. But they say they've made some changes, but they've incorporated all the bad stuff. Well, no problem. Please go on. Go ahead. So what are the bad things? So that's that's the point I'm getting here to now. Here. Okay. So, so anyway, let me finish that, that thought here. So once the state, uh, uh, let's say the state accepts the NGS, that's all or most of the part, then the state in turn does their own tweaking and sets up their own standards. But by and large, they're using the standards that are drafted up, written up, professionally organized by NGSS. So they're basically copying, pasting the NGSS stuff here. So from that, then the state decides textbooks that are consistent. Of course, the NGSS people gave them recommendations for those. And then they pass this down to districts and are said, okay, here's the curriculum you need to do. Because our testing are now is going to be based on these NGSS standards and blah, 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 blah. The teachers are happy because they came from progressive colleges. So this is saying things that they want to hear. So everybody's happy. Nobody's objecting to it. To me, that's one of the surprising things. I haven't found anybody objecting to any of this, basically. Now, I'll tell you what the problems are here in a second. But I'm just trying to give everybody an understanding of how, how it works here. The school district doesn't just start out and make their own standards up or curriculum up. It all starts on a national level and sort of filters down the simple view of what I'm telling you. And again, I'm only talking about K through 12 and I'm only talking about science uh, education here, that, that part here. Okay. So what are some of the problems? Well, number one problem uh, goes back to what I believe that uh, should be our number one objective here. And that is that we end up with graduates who have the ability to do critical thinking and with the interest in doing critical thinking. I don't know if hardly anything else is more important in our society than having uh, citizens that are critical thinkers. I mean, we're faced with all sorts of complex matters. I mean, just take this whole business with COVID. I mean, this is a technical issue. So whether you and your child get vaccinated or whether you and your child wear masks, whether you, what you and your child do, let's say, when you first come down with uh, symptoms, for instance, your early treatment, all these things are something that you as a citizen ought to have some competence about saying something about. And the only way you can do that is by doing some critical thinking. Now, if you want to defer and say, I'm just going to trust the federal government here, the FDA or the CDC, if you want to do that, well, fine. But uh, that, that's proven a very unreliable source of information, unfortunately. Yeah, the, authorities, the authorities have been saying the exact opposite. Don't think, just trust. Don't yeah. think, you know, we're punishing. Sure. And unfortunately, there's, there's huge amounts of evidence that places like the CDC and FDA 
are actually more inclined to be uh, looking out for the interest of pharmaceutical companies rather than citizens. I mean, citizens may think the other way, but that's just not so. It doesn't, it's not supported by the evidence. And I happen to be knowledgeable about things like COVID, so we can go into all that as a pepper thing. I'm just saying that's why it's important. In the more complex, uh, technically sophisticated our society gets, the more important it is to be a critical thinker. So if children aren't taught that in school, where, where else are they taught it? That is the time to learn it. Okay, so I'm saying that's number one. So then if we look through this, this framework and NGSS, the question is, does it do that? Well, of course, these people aren't stupid, so they know the strategy is to say, we're all in favor of critical thinking. It'd be pretty stupid of them to say we oppose critical thinking. No, they say that, but the question is, what do they do? And if you look at what they do, in my view, at almost every single important point here, they are not only not teaching critical thinking, they are teaching the opposite. They're teaching children to be conformists. So let's take some examples. Let's say like, I don't know, let's say like wind energy. So if you look, a critical thinking representation in school would be to say, okay, one of the potential new newer sources of electrical energy would be industrial wind energy. So like all types of energy, there'd be pluses and minuses. So here are some of the good things about wind energy. Here are some of the bad things about wind energy. And we're encouraging students to research these further because things change. And uh, maybe some of the good things are no longer good, or maybe some of the bad things are actually worse. Who knows? But you, you need to do some additional research, in other words, thinking about it, and then making some conclusions as to what do you think is uh, in our best interest societally here? Is this, a, is this something that's a net benefit or not? That would be a critical thinking approach. Now, is there anything like that in the framework or the NGSS? No. When they talk about, let's say, wind energy and renewable energy, they only discuss positive things. They don't mention a word, really, about anything that's negative. Zero. Now, and the opposite, of course, is true when they talk about fossil fuels. They only discuss negative things about fossil fuels. They don't talk about any of the dozens and dozens of documented benefits of fossil fuels. Zero. Nothing about that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Well, I'm just telling you this is what it is. So, yes, it is, but this is what's being taught in 45 states throughout the, the country here today. Kids are sitting there today, right now, as we speak. That's why I'm concerned about it. That's why I'm writing about it. I'm speaking to you about it. We we just can't, uh, just because we're not aware of it personally, it doesn't mean it's not going on here. And what this has to do with our country here in the future is profoundly disconcerting because every year there's millions of students here that are being graduated and becoming adults that have been propagandized here. And these are the people who are going to be voting. They're going to decide whether who, whose positions here, political positions, are, make more sense. But none of them have been taught to do critical thinking. I can tell you that. So that's my objection, number one, that critical well, thinking. The, um, the other negative reinforcement is that they're going to be tested on the quote-unquote knowledge they're given. So it's yes. like a reinforcement of this, yes. you know, this dogma. Yes, as I said, it's not that it's not only that they're not being taught critical thing; they're actually being taught the opposite. They're being taught to be conformists, so they're being taught to go along with whatever is politically in vogue at the time. Okay, so that's one issue. Another issue that uh, no one's talking about is is that they are attacking what's called uh, linear thinking. 
Well, most people say, well, what, what, what is that? <laughs> well, okay. Yes. But, uh, I'm just saying, we're talking about academics here who wrote up this framework in NGSS. They know, they know what it is and they are, uh, they are against linear thinking. And instead they're saying it's better that uh, children are taught to do alternative uh, comes under a couple of names. One would be uh, lateral thinking. Another would be abstract thinking. Another would be system thinking. It comes under a variety of different names. So one, one of my pieces here discusses this, and I have several citations about what the differences are here. When I did some research, I said, okay, let's, let's see what other people who have looked into this. And I have three, three really good uh, citations there about authors who compared who not only explained what the differences are, but compared it and so forth. The conclusion was that uh, there are different types of thinking, yes, and certain types of thinking might be suitable for certain type of applications. So, for instance, uh, a more abstract thinking process might be better in some regards for a person who's an artist, as an example, you know, trying to do something creative. And the example it was uh, frequently used for linear thinking was uh, that would be better for a scientist. The people who are writing the science education part here are saying they don't like linear thinking for scientists. And yet the the primary application for it is a scientist. So I'm just telling you how, how stupid a lot of this is. But my point to you also is that uh, none of this is discussed. So this comes back to the uh, critical thinking part. It, at no point do they say to students, hey, there's a couple of options here as to how you might think about things. And just like I said, compare linear versus la- uh, lateral. And here's some pros and cons for this type of here's how this works. Here's how the other works. Here's some pros and cons for that. And so you decide, talking to the student here, you decide which which would be better for you under what circumstances here. But you ought to be aware that there's a couple ways of doing this. Do they do that? No, there's not a single word about that. They just decide that linear thinking is bad and they don't even discuss it. How does linear linear thinking square with induction and deduction? You got to read my what what I've written here because it explains what these things are here. But do you hear anybody discussing linear versus lateral thinking? No. But I'm just telling you, the people who have wrote the standards and the criteria for kids being taught school today in the United States, K through 12, they have position and opinion, and they are telling our students what to do and what not to do here without any discussion about it. Okay, so that's a, a second thing. A third thing to me that's a big deal is the scientific method. You know, what, what would you describe the scientific method? Or how familiar are you with the scientific method? Well, I hadn't formally learned it in about, I don't know, 35, 40 years, but, you know, form a hypothesis, do experimentation, check the results, see if they square with it, revise the hypothesis, et cetera. Okay, so what would you say? What is your opinion? Is that a worthwhile thing to do? Yes, no, what? Well, only all science is based on it. So, I mean, you know, it's probably worth All it. science is based on it. Okay, so that's a pretty strong... So it should be based on it. I'm sorry. That's okay. Right. It should be. Okay, fine. Uh, I'm asking your opinion. And I see what you stuck in there, I think, is right, is when we went to school, me too, when I went to high school, we were all taught the scientific method uh, because science... What is science? Again, we're specifically talking about this narrow focus here, science, education, and K-12. So what is science? Science is a process. Well, what's the process? Well... The most identifiable process of science is the scientific method. Do you know how long the scientific method has been around? I know, I would guess about four or 500 years plus. Uh, well, I wouldn't look this up here. As they say, once I get into these things, I start studying because I want to be sure. Surprisingly, when I did some research, the origins of the scientific method actually 
uh, started about 4,000 years ago. Oh, even better. Okay. 2,000 years BC in Egypt. So the scientific method has been with us. It's been slightly tweaked here, but the, the basic idea, the scientific method has been with us for 4,000 years. Okay. Got that? Yeah, that's, that's a long time. Okay, okay. Go ahead. With this, in this framework document in 2012, these progressives decided, these elites here, these society people who are trying to run things, these people on their own without without discussion, without public discussion anyways, decided they didn't like the scientific method. Therefore, they scrapped it. That's crazy. And they're supposed to be scientists or at least doing science curriculum. It's ridiculous. The whole foundation of it. That's why we're talking, Richard. That's why I wrote those four pieces here to explain this to people. These people, all you do is read this framework. They have scrapped it. And if you look at the NGSS, there is not a single mention of the scientific method in the science teaching of kids in K through 12 in 45 states. Now, would you be concerned about that? No, definitely. I am. Yeah, please go on. Okay. Well, I'm just trying to alert you to that. That's the astounding thing to me when I look and say, they just dropped the scientific method. Where, where are the objections from, uh, from science teachers, for instance, or from parents? or from scientists, or from conservative organizations, or even from media here that are sympathetic media. Not one. I couldn't find anyone that has objected to this. And this has been going on for 10 plus years. Zero. Zero. That's just, it's just profoundly astounding to me that such a major change could be made in our science education, and no one either knows it or no one's choosing to say anything about it. It's just incomprehensible. Now, you say, okay, well, well why? How many people actually know what's going on? Like you, well, you went in every science kids. teacher knows it. I would assume that uh, parents, when they're talking to their kid, at some point say, you know, what do you think about the scientific method? And the kid says, what the hell do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about. And the science parent would find out, say, what, what do you mean? They're teaching you that? I never heard of it. What is it? And the parent would say, wait a minute, how could that be? And they would go and talk to the teacher and say, what, what's the story here? Uh, my, my kid, has, he's now uh, in fifth grade, and nobody's even mentioned the scientific method. What, what's, what am I missing here? And the teacher would say something like, ah, you know, that's old school stuff. That's, that's, that's old science, old thing. You know, don't worry about it. We're, we're, we're doing new stuff here. It's a lot more sophisticated. This is why, that's why they call it NGSS, Next Generation Science Standards here. So don't worry about it. The professors will look to this. They, they know what they're doing. And so what's the parent going to say? He's going to argue against all these PhDs, the professionals and the, the teacher, the school district, the state standards, the, the national standards. He's going to stand up against all these? Well, maybe if they have some gumption. But that's effectively what I'm trying to do. <laughs> so well, I have I have heard stories of, uh, you know, parents doing math homework with their kids and being totally bewildered and seeing that it's ridiculous. But maybe science, uh, they don't even ask that question about the scientific method. Maybe it's just, it's a subject for some reason that's just covered over by. Well, I, I, I find that hard to believe because just like you, we all, all the parents were taught the scientific method. So this isn't something that some would be, or you'd have to be a scientist. Every parent by and large was taught the scientific method when they went to high school. So this is something that they have a continuance of, and they should be looking for something about it. 
I, I don't know. I'm just speculating here. I'm just telling you, no one has written about it. No one has published an op-ed. No one. No one. Well, that's, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, like at, at one point I heard in the news, I don't know, some idiot saying math is racist and, you know, okay. people, I think, just, okay. just shrugged it off. But that's that type of thinking. Well, that's crazy. right. It's that type of thinking. We're not talking about math here, but we're talking about science. But yes, that's a related problem. Okay, so you might say the next question is, well, why did they do this? Well, I went and looked. They have a, a long introduction, uh, blah, 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 that's leading into this whole thing, 500 pages of stuff for sure. Uh, and they have one sentence in there They said that where they acknowledge it. They say, we have taken out the scientific method because, quote, unquote, it is linear thinking. That's why I told you the other point before this, to see what the significance yeah. is. Actually. So they, they have discarded the scientific method because it represents linear thinking. That's the rationale. 4,000 years of the tradition, it's no good because it's linear thinking. So I, I was thinking, of, in fact, I did send a note to them, no answer, saying, you know, uh, isn't it amazing that people like, uh, I don't know, Newton, uh, Madame Curie, Einstein, whatever. How, how do these people get out of bed? How, how do they accomplish anything since they were so burdened by this linear thinking methodology? How do you explain that? Well, I have a question here. Who is really behind all this? What I told you who's behind it. The authors of this framework, this is the NAS, National Academy of Sciences, progressive group here, the NRC, a division of that, this, this teachers union, and NSTNA, National Teachers, uh, Science Teachers Association, so far, There's like three or four groups here that are behind this. It's all but, public. But why science, why right? do this? Is the end goal? Because they're trying to uh, indoctrinate our children with progressive ideology, period. Because they know those people are going to be adults, being progressive adults. And that's exactly what's happened. We have college students who graduated. What do you think they vote for? Are they uh, conservatives or liberals? Give me a break. Like about yeah, 90 whoever, percent of them are whoever screams, screams the loudest and promises them XYZ with no substantiation right. of why or how. Yeah, I understand. Right. Well, it's because they haven't had the ability to do critical thinking, for instance. So they just believe what they're told. So all these things are reflected in those type of uh, situations here, as I'm saying. Okay, so we're running out of time here. So I'm, I'm just saying there's, you want the details in this, go look at this, this uh, Substack four part series. And I explain, I give all the citations for it here about uh, these issues here. But to me, this whole business of uh, the scientific method, I think, is the crux. You know, I mean, it's rather something that anybody can understand. Even even a person, a, a regular parent can say, do you realize that your kid is being uh, taught, taught that the scientific method is uh, passe and no longer applies? Really? <laughs> How would... Uh, I find this insane, but I understand you're saying they're progressive and this, that, and the other. And but we, this, this, I guess, frankly, this just seems like a sickness that has come over society. So that's what I mean. I don't know where it comes from. Like, what is its root? Why would these people do this? I mean, even I, I understand why, why are they progressive? These people have a different different set of values here. They they don't buy into, in my opinion. They don't buy into the American value. So if you look, for instance, at what American, the Declaration of Independence, Constitution, or whatever stood for, they they promoted individualism, for instance, here, the rights of individuals here. They don't believe in that. Communism, basically, here, to socialism, that's not for individuals. That's contrary to individuals. That's, that's different from a, a republic and a democracy here. That's a different type of 
of uh, organization here. Another thing that was profoundly important in the Constitution decree was was our Judeo-Christian uh, background. Well, these standards, those type of things here. So these people don't believe in Judeo-Christian values and standards. They have a completely different set. So, for instance, they believe in stuff like the end justifies the means, as an example. There's nothing in the Bible about that. <laughs> the end just does not justify the means. In fact, it's completely the opposite. And there's there's quite a few other things that are contrary to what our Judeo-Christian beliefs are. So we're, we have a fight here on our hand here that's about the existence of America, period. And you said this this was from 2012 that this these new yes. standards were put out? Yes. Well, the, so the, was, the framework came out, the standards come out a year or two after that, but uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's not even that long ago, but again, right. just in terms of thinking about my own consciousness of the craziness that's been going on, that was before when I guess I thought the world was okay. And I would guess most people thought the world was okay. And maybe that's part of the reason why this wasn't questioned as much, mm-hmm. because we were just going along. Interesting. Americans are trusting by nature, Richard. Yes, they are. Absolutely. We are trusting. And that's why uh, I think these people are taking advantage of that trust. And I think that's why there's people that need to speak up about saying, okay, you know, I have nothing against being trusting, but trusting to who? And, and if you're if you're turning over your child's education, who is you really turning over to? So you're turning it over to these left-wing people here that are against critical thinking, they're against this, this whole idea of the scientific method and several other things that the, I identified six major problems are with it. And so my last piece uh, is going to come out tomorrow or Friday, and that's going to connect to uh, all these other divisive organizations here. So uh, DEI, uh, woke, uh, whiteness, all this kind of stuff here. All of these have the same type of messages built into them that this framework and NGSS have built into it. I guess the uh, yeah, these people have gotten into positions of power however long ago, and now they're uh, they're trying to reshape everything. Absolutely, yes, and they're they're primarily focused on schools. They know very well. See, another thing I point out in the beginning is these people have a long view here. A lot of Americans just look at things like uh, immediate satisfaction and stuff like that. These people are no hurry to say, fine, this may take us 20 years to do, but we're willing to wait 20 years to get this done. And that's why they're doing things like this education. Are you, um, do you have, I mean, again, it's a, it's a sick thing, I believe, but do you have a morbid appreciation for how they're going about it? I know you don't, of course, you don't admire it, but do you admire the Deviousness yeah. of it, the I think they're very clever in a lot of things they do. For instance, these people have been very successful in using terminology to their advantage. They they manipulate the language unbelievably. I've given examples before in some of the other fields. I'm like like a wind farm is an example. This is something made up by the left. There's no such thing as a wind farm. The only thing being farmed is a uh, is subsidies. But they, 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 that wasn't an accidental term they come up with. They give these things a lot of analysis, and they picked that because they knew they were going to be putting an industrial complex into a rural area that it would be really jarring for these people. So to start off, they had to name it something that sounded benign and pastoral. So they named it, oh, we're going to bring a wind farm into your community here. Well, just, just that phraseology here sort of, gets people to drop some of their resistance to say, well, okay, we're a farming community, we're a rural area, you know, 
you know, this is going to bring some money to us. So it's a different type of farm. But what's the big deal? <laughs> just like linear thinking. Yes. They didn't say anything is wrong with it. What does it even mean? It's, again, the whole scientific method for 4,000 years, like you said, and linear thinking has worked pretty well so far. So the whole thing's crazy. That's why we're talking, Richard. So, so you tell me. They say, I don't want to take up more time than I'm allotted here. But what people want to do, they want to know the whole story. They need to read these four chapters, if you will. I've written it all out. It's free on the Substack, part one, two, three, and four. And all the details, all the citations, it's all explained in great detail. Well, if a parent reads this and wants to do something about it, I guess maybe the first step is how do they, how do they identify the extent to which this is going on and the extent to which their children are being indoctrinated? If it's not obvious, so there are a couple of questions they could ask their kids or, you know, well, maybe they need help. How do they figure out well, what's going on with their particular First children? of all, in 45 states, they, they can assume that and those are identified on some of the links they gave her. You can look up your own state. If your state is bought into this, well, then your kids are being propagandized. Yes. I mean, a simple question, if you went and asked the teacher, do you teach my kid here scientific method? That'd be one question. See what they say. Another would be say, exactly what do you do about critical thinking? Now, they're going to probably say, oh, yeah, we're in favor of that. And they say, okay, so for instance, when you're talking about climate change, you present both sides of the story objectively, right? So then the kid, my kid here has an opportunity to critically thinking about it. You don't tell them this is predetermined because 97% of scientists agree or some other dishonest statement like that, do you? <laughs> no, it'd be, I'm just kind of laughing because, yeah, it would be so confrontational that the teacher would either just say nothing or they would get, you know, probably incredibly angry and try to cause all kinds of problems for your kid. Well, you said you wanted to know quickly what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. That would be some ways of finding out. I mean, if the teacher is really trying to teach your kid, they shouldn't be uh, embarrassed. I tell you what they're going to say, just like I said before, they're going to say, look, I'm the expert here. I know what I'm doing. I'm trained to educate your kid. So appreciate your interest, but stay in your lane. That's what they're going to say. Now that you've written these, you know, these four pieces and you've done this analysis, any recommendations from you or it's such a gigantic Gordian knot that who knows how to untangle it? I think it's untangleable. I think step one is that people ought to know what's going on. So we can't obviously solve anything if everybody is completely unaware of the facts here. So they need to get educated about what's going on. So they just can't peruse my four pieces in 10 minutes here. They're going to study them. They're going to check out some of the links. The more they understand, the better the position they're going to be in. So once they do that, I think, and generally they're wasting their time talking to the local school district. They need to get together some other parents and approach the state board of education to object to them, the people who set the standards for your kids, to say, look, your standards here are left-wing propaganda here, and that isn't right. Okay. That's that's good advice. Are you going to be taking this investigation any further, or do you feel like, uh, like, like how do you feel after having done it? Are you sick to your stomach and you're just going to leave it, or like, what's your plan personally? I am, sick. Uh, I am sick, but uh, you know, as a citizen advocate here, and as, as I say, a defender of my profession, those are the two things. They're both being violated here. So I'm going to try to approach some states, a couple of states. I'm not going to reveal at this point who they are, but a couple of states identified that uh, I and some other people who are getting educated here are going to approach to see whether they, we can get them back off from the NGSS. Second of all, I'm trying to get uh, one or more major conservative organizations on board here. I can't do this just by myself. If we get some, I'm not going to say who they are, but get some, some powerful, you know, well-known national conservative organizations to be supportive here. 
that'd be helpful. And I'm at this point optimistic that we're going to be able to do that. Okay. Well, very good. Um, let's, you know, for our listeners again, let's repeat where they can sign up to your newsletter. So what's your email again? And, my, email uh, and is, my email is AAPR. That's Apple, Apple, Peter, Robert, AAPR, John, my name, J-O-H-N. So AAPR, John at Northnet, N-O-R-T-H-N-E-T dot org. Free newsletter every two weeks, as you said here, that we cover COVID to climate, elections to education, religion to renewables. Okay. Well, very good, John. It's always uh, great to have you. I call you a lovable curmudgeon, but uh, still <laughs> still very lovable. So, so thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it, Richard. And uh, whatever you can do to uh, get people to read those uh, Substack pieces. So please link, give all four links out. That would be very helpful. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.